Hi guys, welcome back to another show. Uh, this week we're talking to Loyalty Lion CEO Charlie Casey. Now, for those who don't know, Charlie has, has managed, ran, founded a couple of different businesses, um, which we've talked about throughout the show, how he came to find Loyalty Lion, what his biggest inspiration was and why he chose to uh, jump onto customer loyalty and get customers to return to a brand. The best thing about the show, which tickles me uh, every time I, I read it and when we've listened back over the show, is that Charlie started his entrepreneurial journey selling eggs at the side of the road when he was six years old, which I think is really impressive and uh, Charlie thinks is really funny and is like, holy crap, where did you find that out? Um, but we do our research, we look into the people we interview and we want to give you the guys the best show that we can. So yeah, this is possibly one of my favorites. Um Charlie is just a super, super nice guy. Uh, we had a really, really good chat, really interesting chat about all things. Um, again, we're talking about how he gets the best out of his day, what he thinks is important for running his business, how Loyalty Line came to be, why um, why he chose customer loyalty, like we mentioned before. Just a really, really good, insightful chat. He's had such a journey um, and such a, a unique journey, I think, to get to where he is now. Charlie deserves all the success in the world. Again, I just really want to say thank you for him taking the time to, to talk to me and the time out of his day. I know that Loyalty Lion is growing and growing and growing. As, as we're recording this now, they just signed up with Trustpilot, which is a massive, massive win for them. So congratulations to everyone involved. And I just I hope you guys enjoy the show and you get plenty, plenty of takeaways from it. Enjoy. Okay, so today we are talking to Charlie Casey, CEO of Loyalty Lion. Uh, now, Charlie started his entrepreneurial journey at quite a young age, which I'm sure he'll go into a little bit more in the show, from selling eggs when he was six years old to launching Loyalty Lion in 2012. He's recently been nominated for the Best Use of Gamification and also uh, the Loyalty Magazine Awards 30 Under 40 Rising Stars in Loyalty. So, Charlie... Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We really, really appreciate it. <laughs> That's uh, quite the in introduction, Brad. I don't know where you found the egg story, but uh, yes, it's not a bad place to start. I, I was prepared yeah, for that interview. That's what it was. <laughs> so, That's good. Um, it's true. We... I did. Um... Yeah, go on, sorry. Go on. No, 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 I was just going to say, do you want to give our listeners a little um, insight into how the egg selling started, how the how loyalty line came to be and stuff like that. A little bit of intro into your background into e-commerce. Yeah, sure. So um, the egg business at six years old um, is my pro most profitable company ever. Um, it's my parents, because my parents bought the, the chickens and the feed and I just did the selling. So absolutely brilliant. I was pretty rubbish at it though. Um, I do remember a time where I had the stand outside our house on the road and I had all the leg eggs laid out and there was me sat on the wall and my dog underneath me like next to the stand and on the other side of the stand my sister was sat on the wall and the dog underneath her so it was like perfect symmetry and a car pulled up and I thought yes I've got my first sale this is going to be brilliant and they got out of the car and they said you guys look amazing like I've never seen something <laughs> like this can we take a photo I was like, what? They were like, yeah, can we just take a photo? I was like, yeah, if you buy some eggs, 
and they took a photo and they didn't buy any eggs. No eggs. <laughs> that was, wow. <laughs> that was the start of uh, my career, but it didn't brutal. deter me. And uh, yeah, Loyalty Line is actually technically the, the fourth startup I've done, uh, and I'm not including the egg business there. Um, but it did, t- it did take some time. So if we just like rewind a little bit, I uh, went to school like normal. And then out of school, I studied economics at university. Um, I do remember in my final year when I was supposed to be revising, I was actually listing business ideas uh, as a distraction. And then I left uni and I went and did consulting at Deloitte because I thought that would be cool. I'll get exposed to lots of different businesses and and variety and I was in technology. Um, But the itch to build my own company got too great and after three and a half years I left Deloitte and I actually spent two years after that with no salary whatsoever which was fun okay Uh, Um, so yeah I left London I crashed on my sister's floor in her spare bedroom and uh, just kind of experimented with different business ideas and um, took a while but like you said um, Loyalty Line was incorporated in 2012 didn't really start taking off until last year. So yeah, caution to anyone who thinks going to leave a nice high-paid job and, and start a business overnight. Um, unless you're a hell of a lot luckier than me, you won't. So last year was great. Loyalty Lion actually grew a thousand percent. So wow, it, okay. it does take some, yeah, yeah, it does take some time. But last year was just like the growth was massive, and um, now things are really starting to take off, and I'm extremely proud of where we've got to. Excellent, a thousand percent isn't isn't to be sniffed at. No way, and that's amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. So then, you you mentioned before you um you've had a couple of different startups. You you sat and you listed business ideas, and um it was something that you used to kind of chill out and, and relax and all stuff like that, thinking where you were going to be one day. What <clears throat> what was it about loyalty in particular, and, and loyalty lion being completely pure play online that sparked the interest what, what is it about loyalty you thought there's a gap there there's uh, something missing there and that's where i want to put my company so it's quite a long journey as i alluded to at the beginning but <clears throat> essentially i had a couple of ideas and the way i went about coming up with my ideas was looking at things that i was interested in and things that i knew a lot about and one of them ended up being an app for people to create events for other people around them and then it had a gamification element to it. And um, we applied, me and my co-founder Dave, who built the app, um, to Startup Bootcamp, which is Europe's biggest startup accelerator program. And to get in, we were interviewed 20 times and presented twice over a 48-hour period. And we beat 200 other startups to get in, uh, which was a great achievement. And it was a fantastic experience. And it was during that time period where we met lots of other entrepreneurs who had been successful, some who had, and uh, CEOs, VCs, and they, they all said to me, like, basically, you're going to be doing this a long time, like a lot longer than you think. So have a deep, hard look at yourself, what your skill set is and what you like doing, and find a business that fits with that. And then one of them said something to me that has really stuck with me for a very long time, and it's stop trying to come up with cool ideas and solutions, but instead look for a really big problem that's going to get worse. And 
we were actually at the time talking to lots of e-commerce retailers and I started to hear like a, a theme which was like we're struggling with engaging and retaining our customers we know how to acquire them we we do paid advertising but the cost of that's going up and then we struggle when it comes to engaging and retaining them and we know that that's going to get worse because e-commerce is the fastest growing trillion dollar industry in the world it grows at 15% so they knew that every year they'd have 15% more competitors trying to take their customers away from them and it was at this point that Dave and I were like this is a problem and it's going to get worse and actually I quite like B2B uh, coming from an economics background and working in management consultancy and I quite like the fact that with one customer and just one customer I can prove that our solution works um, so that's when we, we set about working on loyalty line and actually we built seven different prototypes testing different ideas in three months um, it was just me and my co-founder Dave he worked nights I worked days so we worked in the accelerator actually for 24 hours wow. <laughs> the whole time we were this the, is intense the only team like that, you, you it was intense like, it was re- you've like gone <laughs> through the grind to get where you are this is amazing yeah, well, um, the, the, I'll tell you about the flat that we lived in. It didn't even have a bathroom. Wow. So, yeah, um, it's pretty it's pretty crazy, but it was a really good experience. And by the end of the three months, we'd come close to what Law to Line is, and we presented it on stage in front of 400 people. We got loads of interest. And um, it was basically about another three months after that that we launched Law to Line Prototype on an e-commerce store, and they were rewarding all sorts of activities with points and we saw engagement go up like over 40 percent on these activities and we were like ah now we're on to something how can we make this a business rather than build it for one company how can we make it really easy for lots of companies to get this so we wanted a turnkey solution that didn't need a developer to install it and that took a year so rebuilding loyalty line to make it turnkey and now um an e-commerce store that's built on shopify Magento, big commerce, Lightspeed can actually set up loyalty line without a developer. And in particular, Shopify, big commerce, and Lightspeed, it takes four minutes to get set up. And it's just like a click by click walkthrough. So it's really good achievement for us. And I'm very proud of what Dave's managed to do there because he's the technical one. I just do the talking. It sounds like it's it's been through the through the mill to get to where it is right now. That's it's amazing how uh, you, you look at apps and, and companies and, and, and different guys like yourselves and think they just they happen and they don't they don't just happen nothing really just happens like the story behind getting to where you were and staying in a flat with no bathroom and all this kind of stuff like it's, <laughs> it's the grind that gets it there but now like the company like you just said before a thousand percent growth last year the, the stats that you you show on the website 36 percent increase in average basket value four percent reduction in customer chain 1.1 million in revenue from purchases using loyalty rewards it's like these are huge huge numbers for companies who are looking for a for your solution it's not um like you said before the cost of acquiring customers is never going to go down there's always going to be someone who is cheaper than you uh more engaging than you more competitive than you it's it's one of those things that will never go away like like you mentioned before mm-hmm. it's a huge problem for businesses when the chain is so quick and so fast yep yep so then how you mentioned before about all the iterations of of loyalty line and when you presented and you wanted the ultimately wants to make a turnkey so that any platform could integrate 
how is Loyalty Lion now different than Loyalty Lion when when you first presented and you first um, created it to pitch to, to clients? Oh, it's totally different. Um, we at the beginning it was it was quite simple. Um, it just had a few features, a few engagement points, uh, and I, the way I look at the loyalty market itself actually is I look at it in parallel to email marketing. So if you rewind 15 years ago and you look at email marketing, it was like MailChimp was there with the worst interface I've ever seen. It's quite funny. <laughs> Go try and look it up, and they, they and they just sent newsletters. And now the ESP market is saturated. There are hundreds of people, businesses out there sending emails, but there are a lot more sophisticated. Like it's not just a newsletter. You've got um, customer segmentation. You've got automation. You can create workflows where different things happen depending on different events. They are very, very sophisticated solutions. The loyalty market is not much further along than where MailChimp was 15 years ago. And because we have the beauty of hindsight, we're able to to leapfrog and do what they've done in 15 years in a few years. So Loyalty Line has already started making steps towards um, this with the inclusion of much more data. So retailers can build their loyalty program on Insights. And looking forwards, we will aim to automate that to free up time because all these fast growth retailers that we work with, the one thing that they don't have is time. So it, it's our job to help them reach a decision quicker, focus on where the biggest impact is going to be, and, and hopefully automate the 80% that we can do so then they can come along and do the 20%, which is the bit that's unique to their business and where they can bring the insight and make the Lord's program really successful. So then do you think, going, going back to when Loyalty Line launched back in 2012 and data started to be something that... Um, companies were looking at because they were exposed to a little bit more um, people were aware of different analytics programs and stuff like that do you think the loyalty the online loyalty explosion I suppose in terms of um, people getting involved in it people are coming to you guys for solutions and stuff like that data has been one of the driving factors because it's so readily available now from from a, what a customer is doing where they're going where they're mm -hmm. dropping off like you mentioned before MailChimp started and it was literally send an email and hope for the best. And if you got yeah. something, it was a bonus. If you didn't, it's not even there because it was it was pennies. But now, because data is so advanced, you, even you guys now are looking at that workflow solution to say if, if customers make certain actions, they will be given certain loyalty rewards, points. The, the gamification thing becomes a little bit more advanced because you get user journey, user profile and all this kind of thing. So is mm. obviously data now is one of your big key strengths. I would I would guess, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a key strength of ours. I think um, the reason for the explosion in retailers adopting loyalty is actually the problem has got worse for them, uh, and they know that they they can't achieve profitability spending so much acquiring customers because the price of AdWords is going up. The the effectiveness of Facebook marketing and the ads is going down. So it's, it's more expensive to acquire customers and the increasing competition is increasing the threat that they're going to lose their customers. So that's why there's been an explosion in retailers turning to, to loyalty solutions. Um, insofar as data, I think businesses are actually drowning in data. What they need are 
insights and recommendations. So as a company, we won't just give retailers lots and lots of data because they don't need it. They it's don't have the time. Actionable We're, data. That's the yeah, difference. Exactly. You can we'll have give them data. actionable data. Yeah. But yeah. if you can't pull an action from it, then it's just useless numbers. Like Exactly. Yeah. And that's where the Lords program comes in because it gives them the tools to take action. So if uh, if Lords Alliance tells you a customer's at risk, you could, for example, uh, take that customer, add points to their account, move them into the gold loyalty tier, send them an email that you've done both of these things. It's personal to them uh, because it's part of the Lords program that they opted into. Uh, it's a really great way to reactivate your customers instead of just the old fashioned way, which is, oh, hey, Charlie, here's 10% off your next purchase. I mean, that's highly tr transparent what you want me to do, and it's not personal at all. But if you move me into the top tier of the Lords program where I've got access to new rewards and you give me points that are direct into my account, it's, it's a different relationship with the customer. So then if I'm, uh, like you mentioned before, you, you, you're very keen to give actionable data and actionable steps to make the loyalty programs as, as profitable as they can be. If... I'm a customer who's looking at a loyalty program. I have a limited budget and I want to know if I should be acquiring customers, retaining customers, uh, if it should be a content model. Why, in that situation, why would you tell a, a business owner that loyalty is the avenue that they should they should f focus on and they should really put their budget in? I think this is a really good question. So Lord's programs definitely aren't right for everyone. Uh, the retailer needs to consider what they sell. So if they sell something that can only be bought once, well, naturally, the focus there is customer acquisition because you don't want them to come back. But if you want your customers to come back, then a Lords program will help. And what we've done at Loyalty Line is we've, we structured our pricing based on the size of the retailer. Um, and we've designed it so on average, a retailer will make 14 times return on what they pay for Loyalty Line because we know, obviously, they have a profit margin that they need to take into account. So we made sure the difference is really big. And we've designed our pricing so that smaller stores, so typically those below a million in annual revenue, it's it's free. Uh, and then there are plans that kind of grow as the business grows. So in essence, um, no business is too small for a loyalty program. They just need to sell repeat purchase products. Okay. So... If, if I, you come in, you, t you tell me this is, loyalty is for me, it's my business, I sell products that um, I am getting repeat purchases on, I, I sign up, I, I agree, I do all the, the, the implementation, things like that. What are your three top tips for getting the most out of the Loyalty Line program? So inside of Loyalty Line, we have a refer, refer a friend feature, and if a customer becomes loyal, they're likely to be an advocate. So definitely turn that on because then your loyal customers will become advocates and they'll refer friends, which will bring you new customers. So I guess that's tip number one. Okay. Um, tip number two is Loyalty Line has integrations with lots and lots of other companies. So um, email, co email companies, so like Bronto, Dotmailer, Clavio, etc. So turn on the integrations because by combining loyalty line with these other solutions um, you'll make your program a lot more powerful so to give you an example we integrate with review companies so you can reward reviews with points which increases the number of reviews that you get um, you reward good reviews and bad reviews so there's no bias in place 
and reviews will increase conversion to a sale. Um, and with the email marketing companies, we can send data into those so you can better personalize and, and segment your emails. So you can say, oh, hey, Charlie, you're in the, the gold tier. You have 2,000 points and these rewards are available to you. Um, so turn on integrations. Okay. And the third one, uh, we have a separate solution that we call e-commerce insights. And that will look through your customer data for the last 12 months. Uh, and it will draw some insights for you. And the key one is it will tell you as a retailer how much revenue you're leaving on the table by losing customers or by not getting customers into the loyal segment. So it's a really powerful tool. Okay. So you can gauge the size of the prize, really, and say, if yeah. I was to do these things or if I was to have uh, get the resource to really make the most out of loyalty line, I could potentially make X amount more revenue. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Okay. So we've talked about uh, the start of Loyalty Lion, your journey, and and how to how we can use the platform in in its best possible sense. What I'm really interested in too is talking about you personally, how you run the business, how you manage your time, and all all that kind of stuff. Because I know for business owners and entrepreneurs and all stuff like that, time management and being where you should be and doing the things you should be doing are always some of the toughest things that you have to kind of figure <laughs> out in your day. Um, yep. So what is with that in mind, what's your like one tip for getting the most out of your day or what's the one thing that you religiously do every day that sets you up? Well, uh, you're definitely right. As a CEO of a fast-growing company, you are pulled in 10 different directions like i can have a meeting about sales followed by marketing followed by success followed by growth followed by development and uh that context switching is is exhausting and yeah. if you do too much of it you won't be able to make uh, clear decisions so um strict focus is uh paramount to making good decisions and also giving your team the best so i try and block out time in my calendar so i have like routine slots where I will consider just marketing or consider just sales. Um, and you need to know, also you need to know what you want to achieve because there'll be a thousand things that will want your attention, but there's really only going to be one or two that will make a really big difference. So it's about spending a little bit of time to just think about what those one or two things are and then focus on them. And I, I've got mine written on the wall in my office. So okay. They're on the right-hand side on an A2 sheet of paper. So basically, all day long when I'm being pulled in different directions, I can glance to the right and be reminded of, actually, these are the things that I need to get done. So it's like the 80-20 rule. So 20% mm. of your work does 80% of your results. That's mm -hmm. the kind of uh, approach that you would say you use most often. Yeah, yeah. Cool, okay. So now that you manage yourself and you know what the key what your key drivers are, your key focuses are. How do you go about managing multiple teams and how, uh, whether they're across the world or having multiple meetings with clients from around the world, how do you manage that process? Um, have you read a book called Remote? No, but I'll put it's, it on the list. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would recommend it to anyone who's thinking about managing teams across the world. It's by the founders of Ruby on Rails. And obviously, that was an open source project that took place um, remotely uh, by hundreds of people across across the world. And it's it's their learnings from how they managed to, to pull that off. 
it's a little bit out of date now. So it suggests using like a office communicator system. I guess Slack didn't exist then. Um, but it does have some very good tips in it. So I would say first tip is to just, yeah, flick through it. It's a very quick read, full of pictures. Um, but what, what I've tried to focus on a lot is getting the company culture out of our London office to our US office. And um, so one thing that we do is we have weekly hangouts and um, it's, it's an opportunity for the US team just to talk to the UK team as if, you, as if you were in the same office. So if you're in the same office, you, in our office, you might be chatting at the table, football table or at the coffee machine or just walk past someone's desk and you, you'd be talking about your weekend or uh, your evening plans. You're not always going to be talking about work. The problem is if you have a remote team, they typically just talk about work because you schedule a meeting and then you do a video conference and you talk about work and that's not good for culture. So we just have these, uh, we call it Cafe Smashville because our office is in Nashville okay. and uh, they just hang out. Like they just discuss one interesting topic and then they just hang out and there's no work talk and I, it's, it's good for culture and connection. Well, it sounds really good. It sounds like it's one of them um, personal things that you don't get. Even when you, sometimes when you work in an office, you don't get that time to actually chat to people like you said before. Some people make the most of it at the the water machine or the coffee machine and stuff like that. But then yeah. there's others that are just they, they go in, they do the grind, and then they're done. Um, and, okay. uh, we have tried some things that haven't worked. So, <laughs> Is there um, any that stick out that you can talk about? Yeah, <laughs> it's really awkward. So um, seeing someone's face uh, and interacting over video conference, I think, is really important because you you. You build that bond and you can see their emotions. Um, so we tried recording team meetings in London and then sending the recording over. Uh, and that was weird. Very, very weird. Like nobody acted the same way anymore. And oh, then the, they were all the like team... self-aware then that they were being yeah, recorded. Yeah. And... Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So stop doing that. So top tip is if you're going to try something um, and if you think it's, if you think the people you're doing it for um, don't appreciate it, stop doing it and see whether they say anything. If they don't say anything, then you were wasting your time doing it in the first place. So yeah. I just stopped doing those videos because they were weird and <laughs> okay. nobody said anything apart from the UK team who were like, thank God there's no camera in my face. Yeah, now we um, can relax so in the yeah. meetings again. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So then with that in mind then, what and learning lessons and positives and negatives that you take from different things, is there a lesson that you've learned? or a piece of advice that you've been given that has stuck with you along the way since launch and Loyalty Lion or uh, previous to Loyalty Lion? Oh, we're really fortunate as a company to have some great advisors and investors. So um, one of the people who started the world's largest Lords program is an investor and so is the first employee of ASOS. Uh, the biggest bit of advice I ever got that stuck with me, I I said it earlier, actually, it's to find a big problem that's yeah. only going to get worse. Like anyone who's starting out on this journey, um, keep keep that in mind. And I actually think you can continue to apply that as your business grows as well. Just keep looking for, for the next big problem because that will keep you ahead of the curve, keep you innovating. Okay, excellent. Well, we're gonna start. We'll start wrapping up now and wrapping up our interview. And what we do at the end is we always have our quick fire. Um, so. 
just a couple of questions where it gives a little bit of a, a fun insight into, into you a little bit more, I guess. Um, so our first one is, what's an app you can't live without? And it can't be Loyalty Lion because that's yours. So <laughs> you have to pick a different one because I, I made Tink Taylor not say email, so I can't do, okay. can't do that with you. <laughs> as long as your answer is Loyalty Lion, then I'll be fine. Yeah, mine will be in the caption, obviously, when, when nice. I post. <laughs> cool. Uh, so that's an easy one. So it's Evernote. Um, All right. It's it's just my extended memory. Like I put absolutely everything in there. Like you have like ten meetings a day. I've just got I've got to get it down. So it's it's Evernote for me. Okay. And now uh, the next question is your favorite booth, one that inspires or motivates you. Um, I know that you mentioned before remote. Is that the favorite mm. one, or is there no. a different one that comes into kind of a business sense or a personal sense? Uh, you're probably expecting a business book here. Um, I do read them. Um, I find most of them too repetitive uh, and prescriptive. So I actually prefer autobiographies. Okay. Um, so like sporting normally or just ones where people have over, overcome a challenge. And I like to draw parallels from those to the business world because then I can draw my own conclusions. Uh, one that struck me recently is Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. Okay. Um, it's a really good book. It's an inspirational, motivational account of how one man rekindled his passion for running. And that tapped into something for me because I'm deeply driven and, in, and I'm inspired by people who are passionate. Um, doesn't matter what it is. Um, I think everybody should just find their passion and do it. So, yeah. so also, a caution, Born to Run is about barefoot running. Uh, okay. And I think I took a little bit too literally when I finished the book and I tried <laughs> okay. to apply the techniques and I ended up in quite a lot of pain for two weeks. So okay. probably don't apply it literally straight away. Don't become a, a barefoot runner. Um, but maybe if you can tap into the, the passion that I did as well, um, it's a good book for that. It's always a winner. So, do you know what? I have to agree with the autobiography thing. I do read a couple of business books here and there. Um, but I'm a big autobiography fan. And to, mm. to go to your point, I've read, I think I've read all of Bear Grylls, various different tales of Everest and, and uh, deserts and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And my wife turned around to me and was like, do not take it literal. Like, you are not going up a mountain, so <laughs> put the book down. And I was like, no, it's a really, really good book. She's like, yeah, that's fine, but just stay on the couch and read the book and, and yeah. you're fine. So uh, I'll take your advice on that one and care about the Bear Grylls. Um, <laughs> we've got... We've got a virtual reality set up in the office, so if you want, to, if you want to come by, we can put you on Everest, and you don't need to leave. Awesome. Yeah, you don't need to leave our office. You can experience it all. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, so then our next one, um, we, we, uh, there's a couple of things that you can pull here for, for your quote or your saying. And you said before, find a big problem um, and, and solve it. What, do you want to stick with that for your answer, or is there a personal like mantra that you have where you? people use time and time again to just kind of pick themselves up uh yeah there is one um more is lost through indecision than wrong decision so yeah, i think that's it's pretty clear what that one means um like just just get stuff done um don't don't waste too much time overthinking it like most decisions can be reversed um so Spend spend the time actually testing it rather than debating it. If it can't be reversed, then obviously spend a lot of time doing doing the research. So yeah, m more is lost through indecision than wrong decision. I love that. 
just do it. Just get it done. And, yeah. And, and yeah, perfect. That's such a good quote. Um, and then the last one, and, and then we'll wrap up, is your one thing for a desert island. What would you take to a desert island? I'm assuming I can't take people. Uh, no, it will be a thing. <laughs> be okay, a thing. Uh, right. If it helps, we've had an iPhone and a case of Prosecco. And I'm trying to think what the other one was. There's another an one. An iPhone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's going to last about six hours. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> I said. I was like, oh, no, I'll live with my phone. I have to have it all the time. I was like, oh, bad, whatever. Okay, cool. I'd be quite happy to get rid of it, actually. I can, <laughs> I can definitely stay at home. Um, random. Uh, spear fishing equipment. Oh, good one. I'm going to go with that. Because I can hold my breath for an abnormally long length of time. And I love being in the water, so I can have like a double win and just go catch all the food. How long is abnormally long? Like Tom Cruise, six minutes long, or like Tom Cruise got <laughs> nothing on you because he, no, he didn't give no, up? No, not that long. Um, I think my my record is just under fifty meters in a swimming pool. Wow. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't a fifty meter pool, so I did actually get to push off a few times. But I think it still counts. It still yeah, counts. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, way it long. Still counts. Definitely. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That is, a, that is a fun fact, if ever there was a fun fact. Um, okay, so, Charlie, again, I know I, I said thanks at the start and stuff like that, but we're going to wrap up now, and I just really want to say thank you again. I appreciate the time. I know that the, the business is growing and it's building and you're busy, um, so I just really want to say thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Thanks a lot thank for having me so on much. the show, bro. Cheers. Hey guys, so there you go. There's Charlie's story. What what an amazing story it is from sleeping on the floor, um, sharing bedsits and sharing flats and all this kind of stuff to finding his feet, the, the problems that he's solved along the way, how he's overcome them, how he manages his business now. And tr- tr- I think it's interesting the way he's, he, he does talk a lot about the trials that he's done and he's implemented different things, video conferencing being one of them where what when you want your company to be organic and, and nice and friendly and personable. And then you add in these elements that you you think will be great and bring a company together, but actually put blockers in the way. Um I, I really appreciate him being so open and honest about that. His journey through fr- from his egg his egg selling business, which we spoke about in the opener, um, being his best business because it was his most profitable. Um to now really pushing on with Loyalty Lion and and seeing how it grows and develops and stuff like that. Like we mentioned, it, uh, when we recorded the show, they've just signed a huge deal with Trustpilot, which congratulations to everyone involved. It's a massive, massive achievement. Um, yeah, so all it is for me now, just again to say thank you to Charlie. Um, it was a really, really interesting chat. I learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot. And we'll be back next week. Take care.